Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today is the third episode in our three-part series of A Guide to Firing. And today's conversation is Navigating the Difficult Conversations, A Guide to Handling Termination Conversation. So just to do a quick recap, Our first episode was on the fear of firing and the cost of not firing. And then the second episode, we really dove into when is enough enough, um, really understanding when it's time to really let go of an employee. And today we're going to dive into some of those conversations and what to do afterwards. So firing staff members is a sensitive and complex subject, right? We've been talking about that for this for the last couple of weeks. And In today's conversation, we'll really dive into the preparation needed for leading this conversation, fairness, legality, equity. We're going to share strategies in assessing the situation, understanding different considerations that you need to put into place, and how to maintain clear documentation to establish a legitimate baseline for termination decisions. We're also going to talk about firing conversations with empathy, with professionalism, with kind candor, the significance of choosing the right setting, being honest, being transparent about the reasons for letting the person go, not being passive aggressive. This is such a critical piece that I want to insert here real quickly. Uh, When I put out that I was doing a series on firing on the podcast, I got dozens and dozens of private messages, lots of comments in in our Facebook group. And one of the threads that I saw just across the board between private messages and in the Facebook group is a lot of people are afraid to be honest about the reason that they're firing the person. And we need to lead with a little more courageousness and understand that not telling the truth doesn't help anyone. It The only person it helps is you. It helps protect your feelings of insecurity and your feelings of I'm afraid to do this. It does not help the other person. Being honest and transparent with kind candor, kindness, super important. We're also going to talk about open and transparency when addressing these concerns with staff, with parents, with other stakeholders. 
all the different things. So let's talk about the first segment of today's episode, which is the importance of handling a termination conversation well. Termination communication is not just about ending employment with that particular person. It is about preserving the organization's reputation and maintaining the trust of the remaining team members. Okay, so let's say that again. Termination is not just about ending a relationship with this particular employee. It is about preserving the organization's reputation, their vision, their values, and maintaining trust with whoever has stayed behind. And knowing how to approach this with sensitivity and professionalism is key, right? So let's dive into that component here, right? Like how do we really handle a conversation while we're maintaining trust of the remaining team members? So the first thing we have to understand is, and this is the thread of the entire conversation, you are only in control of yourself. You do not get to control what the other person says or how they respond. You do not get to control what your teachers say and how they respond. You do not get to control how the parents respond. You do not get to control what that teacher does on social media. You have zero control over all of that. So take a deep breath into that and lean into the fact that you have no control over anything but yourself. That's it. So You can prepare in the best possible way. And I'm going to give you a lot of insight into preparing in the best possible way for how to terminate an employee. But do not delude yourself into thinking that the more you prepare, the more you can manipulate the outcome of that person. You cannot. You cannot. You have, you could prepare in the best possible way and do everything in the best possible practice and still have a person do a smearing campaign of you on social media. Even if you have the clause in the contract, even if you have this, even if you have that, even if you ask them not to, even if you're super kind, even if you're empathetic, even if you give them a, you know, termination bonus, even if you pay them severance, it doesn't matter. You are not in control of what the other person does. And that is a really important baseline to create over here because so much of the heartache and the angst that comes around firing is trying to control what the other person does, which is basically a game of defeat because you cannot control what the other person does. You just cannot. So that's the first step in entering the conversation is how am I going to preserve the reputation of this organization and the remaining team members trust, right? When you go in from that perspective, you do a lot less people pleasing, which is basically what so much of firing conversations is about. It's trying to make it easier on the other person when really it's about people pleasing and making it easier on yourself. And that's not what leadership is. So how do we really prepare for this conversation? The first thing, again, is always gathering documentation. Why are you firing this employee? Uh, Have they broken a policy? Have they, uh, you know, excessively and repeatedly? Is it a safety violation, right? So one of the things that I spoke about in a different episode a while back, but it's very timely with here, is I've only fired an employee once for actually doing something that was against the handbook or the policy, right? It was a safety reason. Every other time that I've let go of an employee was because it was a wrong fit. It was not because they did anything that was like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. No, it was just, they were not a good fit for the organization. So I think sometimes we tell ourselves that we can only let a person go if they actually do something wrong. um, When really it's, No, the fact that you're not a fit is why you're not a right fit. You're a wrong person for this team. So. Um, back in uh, 2011, 
um, I was working in New York City. And uh, this was right after there was a huge story with a missing child, ended up having a horrible outcome. And the just everyone was on really, really high alert, um, especially in the school that I was teaching in. Um, this was a private Jewish school. And the child that went missing was from the Jewish community in Borough Park. And it hit home for a lot of the families that were there. Like it was just it was a deeply traumatic story that hit very, very close to home. And so parents were on very, very high alert uh, right after that story happened. And the next day, literally the next day after the news broke out and early that morning, what ended up happening, the teachers were the counselors. I was a director in camp that summer. We're taking the kids on a trip and a teacher left a child in the bathroom. I mean, they went out to the park that was, you know, just two blocks away. And when I was doing my rounds, because a big part of what I did when I was a counselor is I was constantly sweeping the bunks, like just making sure that, you know, just safety, like no kids were missing, no one was left behind, like all of that kind of stuff. And I found a child in the bathroom crying. And so as soon as I, you know, found out what happened, I went straight to the park with an additional uh, pair of hands and I pulled the teacher aside and I fired her on the spot. I'm like, you have to go. You can't be here. And I didn't say it like that. I had a proper conversation planned, but I terminated her on the spot and I sent her home. That was a safety violation, right? At, for, at the, again, context matters, right? That was the only time that I fired someone on the spot without any prior notice or documentation or warning or anything. No, no, there's, there are no warnings here. You're going home. Um, every other time that I fired someone was because it was the wrong fit. They were not the right fit for our team. And so documenting what is the right fit on our team, right? What does it mean to be a team player on this team? What does it mean to be a good fit? What does it mean to be part of this organization? Sometimes I let people go because of org chart uh, replacements, right? So we are restructuring the team in a specific way. We need particular skill sets over here. This person does not have that skill set. The timeline to train that person up to get that skill set is longer than the time frame that I have to train this person connected to the vision and where the company is going. Okay, this person has to exit. So that's another like key component is like, again, gather the documentation, but also understand how things come into play. When you are preparing for the conversation, please make sure you bring in your legal uh, compliance, your HR, all of that component. This is not HR advice. This is not legal advice. Please do not take it as legal advice. Please do not take it as HR advice. If you hear me say something you're like, well, that we can never do in our state. Great. Then don't do it. If you can't do it in your state, then don't do it. It's that simple, right? That is part of being a grown-up and listening to a grown-up conversation. Children do not know how to discern with what they hear, right? This is why the innocence of children is so special, right? They hear something and they take everything at face value. A grown-up listens to a conversation and knows how to discern, oh, that makes sense for me. That doesn't make sense for me. That makes sense for me. That I need to check with my lawyer. That makes sense Mm, that sounds a little bit sketchy in our part of the thing. Let me let me double check with HR. That's how you are a discerning consumer of information and content. So I need to say this again and again because far too many times people listen to things and take it at face value. No, please listen to the advice and then discern if it makes sense for you. Okay, please do that. Please. Okay. So. When we get to the most sensitive part of the process where we're actually telling the person, you know, uh, this is not the right place for you, we want to look at choosing the right setting, right? Choosing the setting of, okay, where, where are we going to have this conversation? Number one, 
a private space, away from public areas. We want to respect employees' privacy, their dignity, choosing a place where the employee can freely express their emotions without feeling embarrassed or uncomfortable. That's a really important part of choosing the right setting. The other piece is around honesty and empathy. When you're firing an employee, please get to that part fast in the conversation. Do not have a 30 minute conversation and only at minute 15 do you actually tell the person that you're letting them go, right? You're spending 15 minutes doing what exactly? Trying to build what? You, the firing conversation is not a time where you're building trust and rapport. Um, you've had your entire journey with them to build trust and rapport. The firing conversation is the firing conversation. We do not do the sandwich method. We really, really love you. You're a really great person and we're letting you go. And by the way, oh, you're a really great person. No, we don't do the sandwich method when you're firing someone. When you're letting someone go, you're letting them go. So Make sure you're getting there fast in the conversation. So it's not like, you know, within the first 60 seconds, but within the first five minutes, the person should know that this conversation is about them no longer having employment in this company. And the remainder of the conversation is about supporting the person through the process, as opposed to spending the vast majority of the conversation making it easy for you to get into the conversation. No, you need to prepare in advance. Do your meditation, take a walk, drink a hot cup of tea, whatever you need to do to emotionally prepare yourself for the conversation. But when you're in the conversation, you're in it and get there faster. It is kind to the person sitting across of you to not spend the first 15 minutes trying to make it easier for you because now you're running out of time in actually supporting them. Supporting them at the front end is not support. It's support for you to make it easier for you. You're the grown-up. You're the leader. Make it easier for you before you talk to them. Once you're in conversation, speak to them, right? Be honest. Be candid. Be kind. But get there faster. Far too many people drag it, uh, and this, and we're making these changes, and, you know, we're really excited about all these changes, and, you know, we're really looking at company fit, and you're just, like, going around and circling, speaking a bunch of platitudes. Just stop. Just get there quickly. When... You share with the person, you know, and and at this time, there is no longer employment for you here or, you know, in 30 days, your time here will be up or whatever you're saying. This is the time where you're actively listening to the person express their feelings or thoughts. Right. And many people will have nothing to say to you. They'll say, I don't have anything else to say. I need to think about it. And the conversation's over in 10 minutes, right? There's a lot of, I, I don't want to say like Hollywood has seeped into this because like it's not really Hollywood, like, you know, romantic comedy or any of that kind of stuff. But it's, there's a societal narrative that has come into firing around, you know, and, and then she told the person and they were crying and she gave them a hug and, you know, she made her feel better, like whatever, you, however you've romanticized the firing conversation, um, sometimes the conversation is literally seven minutes long. It's, you know, intro, niceties, telling the person, the person says, thank you for telling me, I need to think about it, I will get back to you, whatever it is, and then the conversation's done, right? Like, and the leader is sat sitting there feeling in shock of like, oh, I thought I was going to have more time to like massage and play around with this thing, or I prepared all my active listening skills or whatever it is, right? Like, Understand, again, you don't have control over how many minutes the conversation is going to be, how the person is going to respond, and make sure you're not romanticizing what the firing conversation is supposed to look like. 
I remember we had, um, I was coaching a particular owner who was preparing for a really difficult conversation with a director that she's had for uh, over a decade. And she had prepared this whole conversation and, you know, we, we role played through it and everything. And she had blocked out like a full hour for the conversation. The conversation was exactly four minutes long four minutes from start to finish. And she texts me after and she's like, oh my God, honey, like that was a four minute conversation. She's like, she's so pissed at me. She's so this, she's I'm like, why are you like saying all those stuff in your head? You told her that she no longer has employment. She is a internal processor. She doesn't want to process in front of you. She doesn't like to, you know, cascade her emotions out on everyone. So she said, thank you for telling me. And, and that'll be all. And then she left. And now she's going to process through it and come back to you, whether that's tomorrow or the next day or a week from now or whatever it is, she will come back. But the conversation was however long the conversation needed to be. This happens a lot. I remember when I taught um, in college in Brooklyn, um, I taught the early childhood course. I taught it for five years, the early childhood course. And every single year I give a uh, term paper that they have to write a thesis on a particular topic in every year. How long is supposed to be? How many pages? Double space? What font? What? Oh, dear God. Is it the paper needs to be however long it takes for you to communicate what the assignment is. The meeting for firing an employee is however many minutes it takes to communicate what you need to communicate and make space for the other person to feel whatever they needed to communicate was communicated. That's it. That's how long the conversation is. So sometimes it's four minutes and sometimes it's an hour. I can't tell you. So that's another like really big component in understanding um, how we're preparing for this conversation. Okay. Next part of preparing for the conversation, managing emotions. It's natural for both the employee and the manager to experience a range of emotions during a termination conversation. So What you want to be asking yourself, because again, you are not in charge of what the other person's emotions are. You don't know if they're going to start blaming you or crying or shutting down or, I don't know, start raising their voice or whatever. You have no idea what they're going to do. You are in charge of your emotions. So you need to be asking yourself in preparation for the conversation, what do I want to be feeling and experiencing during this? So if she starts to cry, what, how am I going to manage myself? If she starts to shift blame and deflect towards me, how do I want to manage myself? Knowing how to manage yourself during that meeting is the only thing you're in charge of. So go back to our episode on emotional regulation, which is one of the meta skills from the bridge to excellence, where I talk about that. I also have an episode on distress tolerance and emotional regulation. We have some really great content on that. We'll link all of those inside of the show notes here and use those in preparation for the firing conversation. So what happens a lot during these firing conversations is employees have questions about next steps, benefits, all of that. Be prepared. Be prepared for what are the next steps in this conversation? Is it an immediate, you know, termination like I did with that person? I was like, pack your bags, go home, leave your security key, at, you know, uh, with, this, with the um, admin at the front, right? That was an immediate termination. You're out. Versus other terminations have been 30 days, two weeks, a week till Friday, a month, right? Like it, it really varies. So what is it going to be here? What are your next steps? And then what is your contingency plan, right? You might say, hey, I really need you to stay uh, for the next two weeks while we bring the next person. And the person might tell you, I'm not staying, goodbye, um, and walk right out of the building and not come back. 
Um, now what are you going to do, right? Um, do you have a contingency plan if that happens? Now, a lot of times we say things like, oh, that person's never going to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing surprises me anymore. Almost nothing surprises me anymore. The person who you think who's going to handle it the best handles it so poorly that you're thinking, oh my God, do I have a two-year-old standing in front of me tantruming? The person who you think is going to handle it horribly actually handles it like an incredible professional. You have absolutely no idea how people are going to respond when they are put in these situations. Have your contingency plans, okay? What happens if this person just walks right out and refuses to cooperate with your exit strategy or your, you know, transition plan? Okay, now what are you going to do, right? Have that contingency plan in place because what happens a lot of times is the person responds, that's not the contingency plan that we planned. And so now instead of spending time focused on figuring out how you're going to work with that. I see a lot of owners get focused on, well, it says it in their contract and we're going to take legal action. Okay. Have a party in the courthouse, right? Or, or here are your actual options of what you can actually do right now. I'm not against taking legal action if you need to take legal action, but sometimes we get really caught up in pettiness like that when really we should just have better contingency plans in place on how to support ourselves and the company when we move forward from there. So that brings me into the social media part here, because that's a question that came up. So um, a lot of people were messaging me about, you know, how do we make sure that people don't come to social media and start bad mouthing us after they get fired? How do you make sure you don't? You can't. You can't control what a person does on social media. You can have clauses inside of your contract. You can have all kinds of things um, to, you know, try to protect yourself. But ultimately, the person is going to do whatever they're going to do. And so I was working with a particular owner and she went through a situation where she had um, a couple of her staff members, you know, take to a social media uh, rampage. And they were, you know, just smearing her school, her reputation, her personally, just on a total like vendetta against her. And she and I were talking and she's like, you know, I don't, I, like, I don't know what to do. Like she already had, you know, spoken to the lawyer. She had, she had done all the things. And I said, what are you doing in your day? that is actual brand building activity, that is reputation building activity. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, you're spending a lot of time trying to protect your uh, reputation and trying to, you know, preserve and make sure that people aren't bad mouthing you. What if you took a different approach? What if you took the approach on what am I doing to build my brand? What am I doing to rebuild some messaging? What am I doing to put other good energy out there? So, when you are faced with someone who you're thinking they might turn to social media or whatever it is, or uh, we had this with a different client where when she let someone go um, who had very strong relationships with all of the teachers, um, she and I were preparing for it because she was pushing it off for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And she's like, I'm so afraid, like all the teachers that like she's very close with them and they're going to start, you know, they're all going to like go on to her side and, and versus my side. And now she's going to have all this like us versus them approach. And I said, you don't get to control how the teachers respond to what happens. Um what you can do as the leader is when you tell people that you've terminated this person, you let them know, listen, here's the reality of life. There are two sides to every story. And so I am sharing with you, this is, you know, what the story is moving forward. And I told her, you know, choose whatever details you want to share. You are not obligated to share the whole story. And then you could tell them, just be honest and address the elephant in the room and say, 
you're probably going to hear from this person or you're going to reach out for, to her and you're going to hear a very different story. And I don't get to tell you whose side you believe and don't believe. All of you are grownups. All of you get to make your own decisions. This is what we stand for in our company. These are our company values. This is the direction we're going. These are our mission. Like, this is our mission. This is what I'm committed to do moving forward. This is the type of culture I'm continuing, committed to maintain and continuing to build. And if any of you have any particular question, I am making a request that you come speak to me privately about it. And then again, she said, I do not get to control if you talk about it or gossip about it amongst each other. You guys are adults. I am creating an invitation and the space that if you do have questions and concerns, you could come to me. And I am making a formal request that you don't discuss it with other people. But again, whatever you do is what you do. I don't get to control that. But I am making a request that you come speak with me so that we can, you know, air out the conversation. And anyways, it was just, it was a great meeting she said that she had with her staff and she said every single teacher took her up on the offer and came to speak to her privately she said they did do you know their sidebar conversations and gossiping and all the things that she was worried about came true but she was so much more prepared because she had mentally prepared herself for i don't get to control those things i just don't get to control those things okay let's move on so after the conversation right? There is still all these mechanical stuff that have to happen, like updating records and providing resources and just all these like mechanical stuff that need to happen. Make sure you're not the person that has to do it. So make sure you have another person on your team that can hopefully take care of all the mechanics um, after you let an employee go so that you could take the time to restore yourself and bring yourself back because the person who's doing the admin stuff or the button clicking didn't have to have the taxing part of the conversation, which is actually to tell the employee that, you know, they no longer have employment here. And when you're done with that conversation, make sure that your schedule reflects that you had a termination conversation. So don't go and do a parent tour right after. Um, don't go and interview a new teacher right after. Give yourself margin. Give yourself space, okay? Um, that's really important to understand the toll that it takes on our minds and our bodies when we have this conversation. All right, supporting the team after termination. The impact of termination really is felt throughout the team, especially if the person is in a high position of leadership. Um, you're looking at maintaining morale, addressing other concerns. Here is what I always advise people, uh, leaders to understand. Do not try to over-engineer things. Yes, sit down, ask yourself, is there something that I could do better? Is there something that I could have done better? What can I do better next time or whatever it is? Do not obsess over it. Do not obsess over this, right? And also remember, some chips are just going to fall where they fall. And yes, you need to prepare. But when we obsess over the preparation from the motivation of, I'm going to make sure that it comes out exactly the way that I want, that is where we get into unhealthy, just over-controlling. So when you're sitting down to prepare, Make sure that you understand your motivation and your intention. Are you preparing because you're looking to make sure that you are fully equipped, you're managing your emotions, you're treating the person with dignity and respect, 
you're showing up with, you know, proper equity and you've looked at the legal ramifications, like that's why you're preparing versus I'm preparing so that I don't get a smear campaign and this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen and that doesn't happen, right? Like know your motivation. It's, it's such a simple insight, but so powerful. Okay, let's look at a couple of other uh, components. The overall school community impact. The news of a teacher being fired creates a sense of unease and uncertainty amongst remaining staff. And it leads sometimes to feelings of fear, mistrust. Um, It can affect uh, morale. So really make sure you are understanding the implications of that. And this is why we're always building culture so that your culture is on solid ground, even when you have to make a termination. If you have not listened to episode three on the podcast, which is um, our podcast on the gratitude matrix, our five phases of building a culture of retention, which is another series, go back and listen to those episodes. We'll link those inside of the show notes as well. You want to constantly be building culture so it is on strong foundation so that it can hold and withstand an employee leaving and the whole place doesn't go you know, to chaos. Uh, Parent and stakeholder concerns. Parents um, will typically express concerns of a teacher leaving because of the stability and quality of the education inside of the classroom, which is why we want to be transparent in communication with families. So we're not trying to sugarcoat things. We're being honest and clear, but we're also not, you know, airing all our dirty laundry, right? There is a balance of the two of those Um, and communicating with families like this is what's happening. This is the new person we're bringing in place. This is how this person aligns with our values. This is how we've prepared this teacher for coming inside. This is what she's going to be doing in building relationship with your children, right? Over communicate with the families what they can expect to rebuild the stability inside of the classroom. Um, another thing to look at in the post firing of an employee when you're navigating this uh, conversation is the disruption in workflow. So when someone leaves, it disrupts the workflow of responsibilities, which leads to temporary inefficiencies. So when you're preparing for the conversation with the person that you're letting go, you're also preparing for the conversations that you need to be having with the other people that are going to temporarily hold the weight as that person shifts out and a new person shifts in. So you're not just preparing for the termination conversation for this person. It's all of the impacts um, that it has afterwards. And in the termination conversation, you're letting the person know from your roles and responsibilities, these two people are going to be taking over temporarily, you know, these components. And I would like you to please have a meeting with them so that you can give over those things. Right. So many times people hear me say this, they're like, no one would ever do that. That's happened to me every single time I've had to let go of someone. I've rarely, rarely ever had someone who say, no, I'm not going to train the next person. No, I'm not going to give anything over. No, I'm going to purposely, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Like, again, we typically have mature grownups working for us and are typically looking at a peaceful transition um, of responsibility. And so they're typically going to cooperate. So I want to kind of bring here full circle this just entire series. Firing an employee is never easy. Terminating a high-level staff member or someone from leadership is always hard. Um, As Esther Perel always says, a difficult conversation is a difficult conversation is a difficult conversation. So you could prepare in the best possible way, and it's still going to be difficult. And so managing our emotions, preparing the documentation, preparing what we want to say, knowing that we're only in control of ourselves, um, ensuring that we understand the contingency plans of if the person does this or if they do that, what are we doing instead? How are we making sure we're handling communication with parents versus teachers? How are we building morale? 
morale, like all of these things. And preparing for firing an employee is actually something that is consistently part of building culture. Because at some point or another, you're going to have healthy turnover, which means you're going to be letting people go. And so this notion, I remember I was once talking with an owner, was like, I've never had to fire an employee in the 10 years that I've, you know, run the center. I'm like, that's actually not something to brag about. Um, it's not because um, healthy turnover means that your company has grown and evolved and matured. So priding yourself in saying, I've never, ever had to fire someone in a decade is not showing anything about your culture or anything. It's, it's really showing that, you, you haven't had any massive like leap or growth or evolution um, in the last 10 years um, because it's very rare for every single person who you hired 10 years ago to still be aligned with where you are today. Now, it does happen. Um, I'm not saying that it never happens, but it's rare. So st let's stop priding ourselves on I've never had to fire someone um, and actually start coming from a place of I'm prepared. I have kind candor. I know how to come up with to speak with empathy and accountability. Um, and I'm prepared in the way that I can be prepared and everything else. I have faith that the chips are going to fall where they need to. And I know I can recover from whatever happens. So thanks so much for joining me in this three part series. Thanks for joining me with this just entire episode on firing. Really enjoyed presenting this. So I hope you did as well. And I would love to hear from you. So. You can ping us on social media. You can email us. Let us know what some of your follow-up questions are. What questions did I not answer in this three-part series that you would still like to see answered so that we can do some follow-up conversations on this three-part series? Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.